The views and opinions expressed in this program are those of the guests and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the hosts and creators of this program. This is the Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. The Pet Buzz is dedicated to enhancing the bond between pets and their people. Each week, the Pet Buzz provides the latest news and information on how to keep your pets healthy and happy so you can save money and have a fulfilling relationship together. Now, here's your Pet Buzz hosts, pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. You are listening to the Pet Buzz, the ultimate in pet talk radio, where we are here to focus on enhancing the bond between people and pets. You know, each week we welcome our listeners who tune in around the world. And as promised, I want to start the show with a clean air tip. You know, it's still National Clean Air Month, sponsored by the American Lung Association. So here's my tip for the week. Let your pets sleep in their own bed. You know, purchase a comfy bed for your dog or cat to sleep in. Studies have shown that people who sleep with their pets get less sleep than those who do not. Pet dander and other allergens attack your dog's fur and can make their way into your bedding. You will want to keep your bedroom air as healthy as possible in order to get a good night's sleep. And in these stressful times, Doc, we all need a good night's sleep. That is correct. We certainly do. Good tip? Uh, For everybody else but me. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it is. That's a great tip. Yes, but let's share what's on the show this week. This week on show, I'll get started with the countdown also. So in segment four, in Tell Me Something Good, a Philadelphia cat mauling leads to raising thousands of dollars that will be used to save other sick and injured animals at the Philadelphia SPCA. And in Seg 3, Mike Bober of the Pet Advocacy Network discusses how his organization advocates for the pet community in regards to legislative, regulatory, and governing bodies. Two, what's up, Doc? I talk about what I'm seeing in my practice lately and why should you know about it. And in segment one, last week, the Dallas City Council unanimously passed an ordinance banning the sale of dogs and cats at pet stores, a decision likely to lead one North Dallas store to close. Dallas is the last major Texas city to enact such regulation. So joining us to talk about the Dallas Pet Store Ban is John Goodwin, the Senior Director of the Humane Society of the United States Stop Puppy Mills Campaign. John, welcome back to the Pet Buzz. It's always great to see you. Oh, thanks for having me back. I'm glad to be here. You know, it's so funny because you're always on the go and this is like, you're in their car. I love that. Doing the interview from the car. Yeah. Yeah. We pulled over a little gas station here. I absolutely wanted to do this piece and uh, I'm real glad to be here. So, you know, as I said in the introduction, last week it took only one vote to ban pet store sales in Dallas. But really, the Humane Society and others worked on enacting this ordinance for quite a while, yes? Yes, this effort started last year, um, probably about, I don't know, August or September. So it took almost a year to get it over the finish line. But uh, at the end of the day, the vote in the city council to stop the sale of these puppies and kittens and pet stores was 14 to nothing. So it took a while, but it was well worth it. You know, one of the things I found so interesting about this case is in past situations like this, and this is my limited experience, so let me preface this by saying this. It seems that there were 
uh, clients of this pet store and staff of this pet store who testified to keep the store around, correct? Oh, they put, you know, they pulled out all the stops. Uh, the opposition was running radio ads, Facebook ads. They did find customers to testify and staff to testify. Of course, what they didn't count on was the fact that one of the city council members had also bought a puppy at Petland, but his puppy had been really sick. And so he spoke uh, from his perspective. And I think that was pretty powerful for the city council members to hear their peer saying that he had experienced a horror story at one of these places. Well, that's what I was going to ask you. So what does this type of ban do? I mean, it obviously it closes the pet store, but what's the big picture? The big picture is to close the marketplace for puppy mills, because the fact is high volume pet retailers like a puppy selling pet store rely on high volume pet breeders. And that's where you go away from responsible breeders and towards these mass production commercial facilities that are puppy mills. And so it's all about cutting off the marketplace to some of the worst actors. Yeah, I mean, you know, between that, which kind of fuels the feed for dog napping, which, as you know, is one of the newest, hottest things that we're seeing. It's coming to a community near you. It seems like the two in some ways are a lot connected. Would you there, there, there are so many problems with the commercial pet breeding industry. I mean, you're, you're talking about a new thing that we've started to see. Uh, was it Lady Gaga, I think, had one of her uh, dog walkers attacked and Frenchie's stolen. Um, but then there's the puppy mills that supply these stores. There are major disease issues that come from jam, jamming 160 puppies into a cargo van in the Midwest that then begins driving along a route, dropping off puppies along the way with their waist pooling beneath them. They're not stopping to let them out every two hours. It, it becomes a filthy, unsanitary mess, and that leads to disease problems. We've also got customers coming forward saying that they were uh, sold a puppy at a high price. They were gouged, and they signed up for month-to-month -month financing, not realizing that in some cases they had triple-digit interest rates. There is just so much wrong with this industry. What happens in these stores is someone is sitting in one of those little cubicles with a puppy who they've already fallen in love with. How could you not? And the salesperson is well-trained and slick and polished. And they come in with a, and usually with an iPad uh, at a lot of these stores and they're, they're, you know, kind of swiping through the different pages in the contract. And someone's holding a puppy, looking at an iPad that someone else is holding as the pages flip by. And they don't realize all of the terms and conditions. And it, and it becomes a problem for them. Absolutely. So if you've just joined us, we're talking with John Goodwin from the Humane Society of the United States about a recently enacted ordinance that will now ban pet puppy or pet dog and cat sales in one of the last uh, fortresses in Texas, which is Dallas. So no more puppies being sold from pet stores. You know, it, it's so interesting because, you know, we've seen all these cases and sometimes I, 
I kind of shake my head because this information is out there on the internet. And sometimes people just don't read it or they read it and they still go buy the puppy at the pet store. And like you said, they just fall in love, correct? They do. And, and it's the puppies sell themselves, unfortunately. But the salespeople also are very trained, very slick. They have these talking points, sound reassuring. I'll give you an example. When you walk into one of these puppy stores, they'll tell you that the breeders they acquire puppies from are USDA licensed. And that's supposed to give you a feeling of assurance. Few people stop to think and ask themselves, how big does a breeder have to be to get a USDA license? And no one thinks to ask, well, what sort of regulations do these kennels follow? Well, I'll tell you what the regulations are. A, a USDA licensed commercial dog breeder can keep a dog in a cage that's only six inches longer than her body. And she can spend her life in that cage. She can be bred every heat cycle and usually is until her body wears out. She can be killed when she's no longer a productive, profitable breeder for the kennel. But the customer doesn't know that. And the customer doesn't think, where is this puppy's mother? Is she living in a rusting cage in some puppy mill in the Midwest? Those are thoughts that just don't occur to most people. Sure. It's like these dogs that are dog napped and people never ask where they come from. They just see, ooh, Frenchie for sale on a Facebook marketplace ad. It's just absolutely insane. You must ask questions. You must know where the dog or cat that you're purchasing or, I mean, as much, even, even when it comes to adopting dogs, we at the Peppas, we always encourage people to ask as much questions about that pet as possible. And while I know that some people don't want to, uh, to rescue a dog, and I know some people might want a purebred dog, that's a choice that you make. But find out about your breed. Find out where your dog or cat came from so that you can not only protect yourself, your family, as well as that puppy and stop any abuse in the process. That's really important. You are listening to the Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We love to communicate with you via social media. Use the Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and our buzzword the freebies visit us at thepetbuzz.com up next celebrity pet news and flex facts you're going to want to stick around with me because a little later in the show i'm talking global pet news and we're going to be talking about dog cheating dog cheating what's that you're going to have to stay tuned for segment four to find out but you're going to love it Ever wonder what goes on inside the Pet Buzz studio? We post full-length video versions of all of our guests on our YouTube channel. Know what? What? Since I got adopted, I've learned a lot about these humans. Uh, I know. I mean, check out these two. It's Flirt City over here. Yeah, I noticed that. It looks like my human is definitely into your human. Oh, look! I think she's getting his number. 
Nice. Your human's got some sweet moves. Takes after his dog. <laughs> oh, look, they're doing that thing where they put their arms around each other. She kicked up a leg. It's like in the movies. That's awesome. Looks like we're going to be hanging out a little bit more. You know, what I wanted to ask you was, and when we talked about the financing, how else does this band protect consumers? And I guess it, I'm asking that question because in my mind, I'm thinking about what you said a little earlier about how these the conditions that these puppies are kept in. A lot of people have come forward telling us that they bought puppies at premium prices who ended up being sick and they ended up accumulating vet bills that were very high. Uh, immediately after the puppy got home. And that's because of the broken commercial pet breeding industry. That's because of the puppy mills that these puppies are born in, the stressed out mother dogs, often in unsanitary conditions. That's because of the transport, which we were discussing. I mean, you just can't put 160 puppies, baby animals with immature immune systems, all in the back of a van together for a long distance trip without some of them getting sick, one sick, a lot of them are going to get sick. Sure. Uh, it's, it's just really a terrible way to get a puppy. Uh, and from an animal health perspective, it's probably one of the worst mediums through which to acquire a puppy. You know, it's interesting because I remember reading not such a long time ago, and maybe I think you and I talked about this, that a lot of the people uh, who worked at these various pet stores have picked up uh, illnesses Campho, campho, cyanide, campho bacteria, or something like that. I can't remember what it's called, but from they actually picked up uh, epizootic disease from the dogs that they worked with. Correct. That's right. Uh, there was a it was Campylobacter. Now, normally with Campylobacter, it's like Salmonella. Normally, when someone gets Campylobacter, they feel nauseous for a couple of days, but it passes. In some instances, it's a little bit more serious and they get some antibiotics and that knocks it out. But this strain that the Centers for Disease Control linked back to the pet, puppy selling pet stores was a super bug version. And it's believed that because these puppies were given so many antibiotics that the bacteria adapted and the antibiotics were no longer working. And there were a lot of people in over a dozen states who ended up getting infected with this Campylobacter. Some were hospitalized, and that includes store staff, store customers, people who went and visited someone who just bought a puppy at a pet store. Wow, that's just incredible. Well, based on this particular ban, um, because like I said, Dallas is a huge community. It's a well-known community. Um, do you think this is going to affect other states and other big cities? I do. I do. So, so at this point, we've got about 420 localities that mm -hmm. have passed ordinances to stop the sale of puppies in pet stores in five states. The next big battleground is New York State. There is a bill in the legislature that passed the Senate 57 to 5. So it passed by a huge margin to stop the sale of puppies and kittens and I believe rabbits in pet stores. Now it is in the assembly. And over half the assembly members have signed on as co-sponsors. But if you live in New York, we need to get more assembly members to sign on as co-sponsors. And this has to happen before the end of the month. So we hope anyone in New York will reach out to their state assembly member and ask them to co-sponsor the 
puppy mill pipeline bill. That's what we're calling it, the puppy mill pipeline bill, because the pipeline from the puppy mills to the pet stores. So we can take this policy statewide in one of the biggest states in the country. Yeah. And hopefully you come to Florida, too. I know my county and it's my sister. It's I live in Manatee County and our sister county is Sarasota County. Now, Sarasota, I believe, doesn't sell pet store puppies. And Manatee County has a ban that will go into effect. um, I can't remember if it's September or August of this year, but there is one in Manatee County. There's not one in Pinellas County, though. Uh, we need to get one of these on the books in Pinellas County because there's about a half dozen stores that sell puppy mill puppies there. Yeah, and they've uh, also gotten some press in the last six months. So that's something um, that's something that we all need to work on. And when we're if, if we're here in Florida, and you know whether you live in the county or not, write to some of the local Pinellas, uh, write to your congressman, write to your senator, and make them aware that this is a big issue. Because, like John said, this affects so many other things. Whether it's financing and dollars, whether it affects your health or someone you know or people who work at the pet store, whether it affects um, the, the new dog napping trade. I just wrote a story on dog napping, so it's very fresh in my mind. But all of these things go hand in hand together. Um, so I would also assume, John, that some of these pet stores who sell dogs and cats currently, as well as other pets, realize that their business future is bleak and want to close early. I mean, can't they see the writing on the wall that you're coming for them? I, I think some can. Uh, so let's take a look at Petland, for example. They've got about 80 franchise locations in the United States. They're about, they're about 80. And in the last two years, a dozen of those stores have changed hands. That's a massive turnover for people who own franchises in this mm-hmm. particular company. And I listen, I don't know what the circumstances were for all of those sales, but when I look at the volume of these stores changing hands, it tells me that there are a lot of people who are looking at the uh, landscape and saying, you know what, I want to find something else to do. And I would encourage them to keep, you know, find something else to do, find something lucrative to do that doesn't involve supporting these awful puppy mills. You know, it's funny because a few years ago, I met a young couple uh, at a pet industry show and they had bought a pet land store. And immediately the wife turned around and said, we don't sell dogs. Like she wanted to stop the conversation as if she knew it was coming. And I thought that was really interesting. And I didn't, you know, at the time, this was, you know, before a lot of the people were getting sick and things like that. But, you know, obviously puppy mills, stopping puppy mills is on our national agenda. But I mean, um, I thought that her response was so, and, you know, I haven't been, I mean, the pet land near me, I don't think when I, when I lived in New York, I don't believe they sold dogs, but they sold fish and some other things. But I think what you, the work that you're doing is tremendous at the Humane Society. I applaud everyone there because the fight really is on the ground um, and actually exposing um, the process, you know, from the puppy mill to the, to putting it in the van, the puppy mill pipeline, as you say, to the store, you know, and I think it's really important. And I think, We have to continue to talk about this in the media because people need to be up on what is happening. Absolutely. That's exactly right. Because that's how we stop uh, consumers from making decisions that they would later regret when they learn more of the facts is by getting the information out there. Well, you know, I know this just happened and I really appreciate you being here. It's always a pleasure. Before you go, tell me what else you're working on. 
Well, the New York bill is a biggie. Uh, we also just released our 10th annual Horrible 100 report, which exposes 100 problematic puppy mills around the country. And people can see that at humanesociety.org slash horrible hundred. My last question be, give us your website so people can go and learn more about the not only you, but the people who work at the Humane Society and all the campaigns that you have going on. Sure. Well, it's humanesociety.org. And if you want to learn more about puppy mills, humanesociety.org slash puppy mills. We try to make it very easy with these uh, these URLs. Right, exactly. Well, everyone, that was John Goodwin. John is the Senior Director of the Humane Society of the United States Stop Puppy Mills campaign, discussing the Dallas Pet Store sales ban on dogs and cats that went into effect last week. You know, this week someone said to me, how do you eat a whale? And then they told me, one piece at a time. And just like the Humane Society of, um, of America is fighting to stop puppy mills and the stores that sell them, it's one store at a time. That's right. That's exactly right. John, thanks so much for coming on. Thank you so much for having me on. It's always a pleasure to come on the Pet Buzz. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. It's time for Pet Buzz Celebrity Pet News. The most sensational news. Fantastic. I'm so excited. You, you, you ready? Here's pet trendologist Charlotte Reed. Well, according to People, People Pet, since receiving her multiple sclerosis diagnosis in 2018, actress Selma Blair, maybe you remember her from Cruel Intentions? Oh, I remember her from a lot of movies. Okay, well, she has a new book coming out uh, at the end of the month. Well, she's become a lot more open-minded about accepting any and all form of assistance that enhance her daily life. Blair's neurologist recommends she consider a service dog for the potential physical and emotional benefits. And that's where Scout comes in. He is her new, attentive, and energetic English Labrador puppy. So Blair revealed that having Scout is a huge undertaking as the dog is still young, but it's such a tremendous gift, she says. As a service dog, the dog is with Blair all the time, so if she has a muscle, a big muscle spasm, or even has some trouble moving and needs to be recalibrated, Scout gets between her legs, helps her get up and balances her. She says the dog has given her a lot of independence. And now I thought this was the most relevant part of the story. Blair said that when she goes to his dad, her son loves knowing that Scout is by her side taking care of her. She had no idea that her son had concerns about her mobility and or safety. I thought that was fascinating because a lot of times when things are going on with adults, we always think the kids don't know or we always try to hide things from our children. And this just goes to show you that her dog worries about her and knows that Scout is going to help her. Absolutely. It's a wonderful story. Okay. And now it's time for Flex Facts. Welcome to Just the Facts. Just the Facts. Fact or fiction? Just the Facts, ma'am. You want answers! I want the truth! So now we're going to talk, what's up, Doc? So, Doc, what's up? What are you seeing in your practices? Scratchy, itchy, red skin, 
puppies and adult dogs and cats. Yeah, what's that from? Well, veterinarians will call it atopy, which just means it's allergies due to the environment. And what do you think is the number one allergen in the environment? Well, depending on where you live, and since I know most flea testing is done in Florida. Is it fleas? Yes, it is flea allergy dermatitis. And it's not that difficult to diagnose. And I hate to say this because people need to come to the veterinarian to get diagnosis and treatment. But if you look at the back of the dog, that's where they lose all their hair. They're scratching, they're licking, they're keeping their pet parent up all night long. Mm -hmm. And that's what the biggest thing that I see in the practices at this time of the year. Okay, so if you determine that your dog or cat has fleas, What's the best thing to do? What's the best thing to do? Control the flea population, obviously. Okay. You do that in a couple of different ways. You take care of it on the pet and you take care of it in the environment. As we're talking about clean air month, that's take care of it in the environment also. Mm -hmm. So my recommendations are always to treat the pet both internally and topically. And so when I say topically, you need to use a proper shampoo and maybe a topical spray, usually recommended by your veterinarian, but you need an appropriate, effective and safe flea product. So in my practice, I usually recommend something like NexGuard as the oral medication, and I use EpiPet topical spray and shampoo on a regular basis. Use maybe the spray every day, the shampoo once a week. Oh, and also remember that when you bathe, don't just bathe and rinse off immediately. Leave that shampoo on for five to 10 minutes. Let it work its way in to the hair shaft and the skin. You'll get the best effect that way. But you know what's always really interesting to me, and I'm sure you can comment on this. Dog owners expect to get fleas, right? Mm. But cat owners always are in denial, mm. right, that their cat has fleas. Because a lot of cats are indoor cats. You mm -hmm. think when you think of parasites, you think of outdoor cats or feral cats, right? Talk to us about that. Well, you, you cats that are indoors and therefore they can't pick up any, any diseases, uh, any infectious diseases. They can't pick up any fleas. That's such a misnomer mm -hmm. because don't forget people walk outside and come back in so they can bring the fleas or other diseases along with them. Sure. Uh, how many people have cats and dogs in the family? Most of the time the dogs go outside to do their duty. Mm -hmm. So if they go outside to do their duty, then maybe they can bring in some bad duty stuff. And sure. They, and that means they could bring in fleas that could be transmitted to the cats. Okay. So let's, I want to keep this conversation going a little bit about cats. We don't have a lot of time. So what's the best way to check to see if your cat has fleas? Well, you have a flea comb that you can use, but, but if you find that your cat is grooming themselves more than normal, or if there's hair loss, particularly in the back end of the of the cat, um, those are the those are the main things that I would look at to see if they're maybe having a little flea problem. But don't forget, you don't always see fleas. Fleas jump on the on the on the the pet, whether it's a cat or a dog, to get a, a a meal. Then they jump off because they need that meal for reproduction. So they're not on there very long. If you see a flea, that means that there's probably lots of fleas around. So it's always important that even if you don't see fleas, but they're doing scratching and itching, do the flea protection. I think it's always important to notice where 
those pets are or where they spend a lot of time because, you know, people always say you should wear white socks around your house to see if you mm-hmm. pick up any fleas. They also say you should put a plastic container on the floor with mm-hmm. some dishwashing soap to see if any fleas jump in there. You just want to make sure your pet does great it. suggestions. Right. I mean, you just want to make sure your pet is not going to, especially if you have a puppy, lick it. But I guess really the overall gist of this What's Up Doc segment is for people to recognize Obviously, you have to treat your pets all year long with flea and tick products, yeah, right? Especially Doc? in the southern part of the United States, it's 365 days a year that we're exposed. What's a misnomer again is that in the north, they think that they only need it maybe up until October, November, but it, and then not use it again until spring. Oh my gosh, such big mistakes. When you lived in New York and we were in New York, we would have days where it was below zero. Two days later, it was 35 degrees. Well, what happens? Those ticks and fleas that are in between the layers, they all of a sudden come alive and go after you again. And that's good advice. So we're going to take a commercial break and be back with my I Likey of the Week. According to the American Animal Hospital Association and the American College of Veterinary Dermatology, pets need sunscreen too. EpiPet Sun Protector, the only FDA-approved pet sunscreen on short-haired, light-colored, hairless golden retrievers and other dogs susceptible to skin cancer. Contained in a sports bottle, EpiPet allows you to turn the bottle upside down, making it easier to spray your dog all over to protect your dog from the sun all day and every day. Epi-Pet.com EpiPet is another proud partner of the Pet Buzz. So I'm a cat, and I just moved in with this new human, and she's got this little toy she's always playing with, all day long. Tap, 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 bloop, bloop. She can't put it down. There it is. Oh, and get this. She even talks to it. Last week, she asked it for Chinese, and guess what? Egg rolls showed up, like magic. Humans have cool toys. A person is the best thing to happen to a shelter pet. Be that person. Adopt. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the shelterpetproject.org. It's genius. It's to die for. I like it. You know, I and once again, we're going to talk about Florida a little bit, but I think this really pertains to the rest of the country. So as you all know, I live in Florida and at night when I take my dogs out to do their duty, as you said, Dr. Fleck in the yard, I need to go with them with a flashlight because I am weary of something you told me about when I first moved down here. The cane or bufo toad that's invading Florida backyards as it is multiplying across the southern and western part of the state. So just so you know, these toy toads, these toads are poisonous to most animals that try to bite or try to consume them. So they need to be repelled. I need to repel this threat to my four dogs, as well as the possibility of deleting my bank account due to veterinary care. So I've been using a product called Total Repellent. And as a direct deterrent spray to immediately repel these toads, as well as snakes, iguanas, other small reptiles, or amphibians. So it really doesn't do any of these animals harm. It's been tested. It just repels them with a mild plant irritant. And it's not just a Florida thing. If you're a pet owner and have a problem with small reptiles in your yard or amphibians, which could cause your pet harm as well as your bank account, your wallet, like I talked about, visit Total, that's T-O-A-D-A-L, repellent.com to keep your pets S-A-F-E. 
You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. So let's move on, Doc, with our next guest because our next guest is on the phone. Well, the Pet Advocacy Network, formerly PJAC, advocates for the priorities of the responsible pet care community to legislative, regulatory, and governing bodies. And joining us to talk about some of the Pet Advocacy Network priorities is Mike Bober, president of the organization. Thank you for joining us today on the Pet Buzz. Thanks for having me. It's a pleasure to be back. We like having Mike. I know it. I know it. He's a great guest. You know, Mike, it was so great running into you at SuperZoo um, and, and just having to catch up. And, you know, the one thing that I was excited for you um, after telling me is that you guys recently rebranded. Talk to us about your rebranding, but really, most importantly, um, just the mission of the Pet Advocacy Network. Sure. Uh, we're a 50-year-old organization. We, uh, for the longest time, have been known as the Pet Industry Joint Advisory Council. But as you could hear right there, that's a whole lot of syllables, and it didn't do a great job of saying who we are or what we do. Uh, so we've rebranded as the Pet Advocacy Network, and we think that just makes it a lot easier for us to, to communicate that we're in the business of advocating for pets. Uh, so we we work with government agencies as a liaison between the pet care community and federal representatives. Uh, and then we also work as advocates for the pet care community to lawmakers. Uh, we help them with sound science and demonstrated data as they're considering policy proposals uh, like regulations and legislation. So then let's talk about some of the items that the Pet Advocacy Network is working on. You know, I have a special interest in in the One Health movement, and I know your group is is involved in that. Talk to us about that. Yeah, we were uh, really happy to see that uh, that Dr. Schrader's One Health language got uh, rolled into the National Defense Authorization Act at the end of last year. Uh, it's something that we work on very closely in our relationship with the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention. Uh, One Health is is sort of a mindset that says that human health animal health and environmental health uh, are all intricately linked, and you can't really work on anything affecting one of them without affecting the others. So we try to, uh, to, to do what we can to support that in our efforts in dealing with zoonotic diseases, uh, as well as things like antibiotic resistance. Well, if you're just joining us, we're speaking with Mike Bober, president of the Pet Advocacy Network, about the organization's rebranding and current agenda. You know, I'm going to interrupt you for one second, because I think when you think of One Health, I think COVID is the perfect example of that. Hmm. I mean, we know that um, COVID can be transferred to pets, uh, dogs and cats. And um, for specifically with cats, it can be transferred to other cats where dogs can't. Um, transfer it to other dogs. But it's so interesting since we covered COVID throughout the whole pandemic and we start looking in the environment, two things come to mind. Whereas we know at University of Washington, they were actually going out and looking for whales to see if whales had COVID, if it was spreading through the um, ocean environment. And then, you know, looking at one industry throughout the world, which is the mink industry that was decimated um, because I believe, although I'm not sure, but based on what I have studied, 
is that one of the fastest um, groups of species to catch COVID or transfer to each other is minks. Minks generally in two hours show signs of COVID. So thus, and it, I mean, minks were dying so quickly throughout the world for the mink industry. So I think when you think about One Health, um, you, this is one good tight-knit example that people can understand. I would say so, definitely. Uh, but it's interesting, you know, one of the the upshots of that is that uh, early on, especially in, in the COVID lockdown, we had to work with lawmakers and regulators to make sure that they understood that not all zoonotic diseases are created equally. Uh, there was such a, a, a rush to try to put forward legislation that would help us prepare for the next pandemic uh, that we saw some language that equated things like Salmonella and Giardia with things that are far more uh, threatening and, and concerning. And so, you know, one of the things we've tried to do is really help people understand that uh, zoonotic diseases absolutely are a cause for concern. And we want to be careful, as I said, you know, in, in considering something like One Health approaches to things, uh, that, that we do address that. But we also want to make sure that people are addressing it in a way that doesn't uh, accidentally equate uh, issues with very different outcomes for humans. Good point. It's a real good point. Yeah. I mean, COVID really has been something to be on the docket for the last couple of years. And this was a great example, like you say, of coordinating and integrating all those important things um, to try to help humans and pets and yep. the rest of, of animal livestock. And it's funny because you also are working on initiatives correct? That's right. That's right. We also deal with issues surrounding international trade and transport. Uh, the Ocean Shipping Reform Act is something that we're working on in partnership with a lot of other uh, retail and manufacturing organizations in Washington. Uh, just supply chain issues are something that I'm sure your, your listeners are, are hearing about all over the place. And, and it's a challenge. It's a challenge that, that we're sympathetic to because we know that, uh, you know, a lot of pets are very particular about the brands they like. They've got brand loyalty. And, uh, and, and sometimes that just can't be something that can be accommodated when, you know, we've got boats sitting uh, in harbors waiting to come into shore. We've got products sitting in ports waiting to get onto trucks. And we've got trucks waiting to, to be offloaded across the country because we're dealing with these supply chain issues. Uh, the Ocean Shipping Reform Act is just one approach to try to cut through some of that red tape and to try to open the pipeline a little bit wider. Uh, but it is something that we take very seriously on behalf of both the pet care community and pet owners alike. You know, it's funny, um, not such a long time ago, I'm going to say probably toward the end of September, the beginning of October, we interviewed Ruby's, which is the largest manufacturer of costumes, mm -hmm. not only for pets, but for people and manufacturers, distributors and designers of costumes throughout the world. And they were talking about the increase in shipping uh, and how devastating it is to a business that is already on shaky ground, unfortunately for Ruby's. But it makes you really wonder, eventually, you know, your choices, I mean, we think of America, this country, as the country of plenty. And now we're seeing, we. this is one of the first times we've really ever been affected by supply chain, more or less in the last 40 or 50 years. And now, you know, for example, and, I, and I've used this example with you before, Dr. Fleck, I like a certain gate in my house, uh, which allows me to 
um, rope off my pets to certain areas and um, I need to order some more gates. Well, when I first went to go order them, they were unavailable. I had to wait three or four months before I could get them. And then when I went back to order more, it was another wait. I'll wait again because I want the same gates in my house. But thinking how it affects brand loyalty, thinking how certain medications, Dr. Fleck, for you were unavailable. Um, and it also made me think, you know, I think one of the reasons having you here is we always aim to educate our listening audience and the public. Um, and just, you know, for example, with me, I thought a lot of medication for, for came from, was made in the US or made in India. Little did I know it was made in China and not only veterinarians, but practitioners were having problems. So being able to bring guests like Mike and topics like this only help pet parents and animal lovers educate themselves to what I like to think of as the big pet owning or pet community experience. I, I laugh a little bit when Mike says about the different brands that are priorities for people. As a practitioner every day and all my colleagues are experiencing this too, but with, with people that come in and you ask them to maybe uh, uh, change the diet that might be more beneficial to them. And, and of course, it's impossible. It's impossible. My pet will not eat anything else but this. So it's really appropriate what you're talking about, that we just have to be aware of, of the concern for the availability of some of these brands and be monitoring very closely. Sure. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about another issue that's near and dear to my heart, which is veterans, um, especially veterans and service dogs. So why don't you talk to us about what the Pet Advocacy Network is 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 doing in relation to that. Um, yeah, absolutely. Uh, at, in August of last year, the, uh, the Pause for Veterans Therapy Act, which stands for Puppies Assisting Wounded Service Members, uh, passed and was signed into law by President Biden. And what that did was work with the Department of Veterans Affairs uh, to direct them to, to launch a pilot program uh, that looks at the health benefits, the mental health benefits specifically uh, for pairing uh, service uh, service members with uh, therapy animals. And so the, uh, the the bill was passed and signed into law, and it's now uh, going through the, the steps of and the, uh, the milestones necessary to create that program. Uh, it was just announced at the end of March that the pilot program is going to be tested in five VA medical centers across the country. Uh, those are Anchorage, Alaska, Asheville, North Carolina, Palo Alto, California, San Antonio, Texas, and West Palm Beach, Florida. And so uh, those five locations will be where veterans are screened for potential pairing with therapy animals. Uh, and they will be partnering with uh, private sector therapy animal training uh, facilities to create those processes where the veterans are actually paired up with the right animal. And then they'll be studied over the course of, uh, I think it's a five-year program uh, to make sure that this actually does have the kinds of outcomes that we're looking for uh, before it then has the opportunity to be embraced and to be adopted much more widely through Veterans Affairs. So pet parents out there, aren't you glad that we have an advocacy <laughs> group that Mike is the uh, president of? We certainly um, are glad that you joined us and shared this with them. Now they know that their four-legged fur, for a member of the family, is protected. Thanks yeah. for joining us. And also, Thank they... you. Thank you. Awesome. Great. Thank you so much. 
Thanks again for having me. Yeah. Once again, that was Mike Bober, president of the Pet Advocacy Network, talking about living with your pet is an everyday, (laughs) multi-level thing (laughs) that you really need to be aware of. Like I said, Uh, definitely check out the website and stay tuned. More Pet Buzz coming right back at you. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We would love to communicate with you via social media. Use the Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. Well, what's next? When we come back, we're going to fill you in about global pet news, and it's all about cheating hearts. Just Hmm. what you wanted to know, Doc. Oh, that's me. Yeah, I want to know about that. Don't be sarcastic. (laughs) Commercial break time. Does your pet have dry, flaky, and itchy skin? Do you find yourself visiting the veterinarian repeatedly because Fido or Fluffy has skin allergies or ear infections? EpiPet to the rescue. Developed by a veterinarian, EpiPet is a revolutionary, high-performance skin and ear care product line made with the finest natural ingredients. EpiPet, for you and your pet, means better pet health. For more information, epi-pet.com. EpiPet is another proud partner of the Pet Buzz. According to the American Animal Hospital Association and the American College of Veterinary Dermatology, pets need sunscreen too. EpiPet Sun Protector, the only FDA-approved pet sunscreen on short-haired, light-colored, hairless, golden retrievers, and other dogs susceptible to skin cancer. Contained in a sports bottle, EpiPet allows you to turn the bottle upside down, making it easier to spray your dog all over to protect your dog from the sun all day and every day. Epi-Pet.com EpiPet is another proud partner of the Pet Buzz. And now, Pet Buzz News from around the globe. Well, you're going to enjoy this canine soap opera drama in global pet news. So, seems as a poodle has landed in the doghouse after his owner discovered he's been doing the dirty on his girlfriend. Hmm. In a video viewed 6.1 million times on TikTok, the dogs shared footage of her canine cavorting with a chihuahua from down the street. The discovery surprised many on social media, but the idea of dogs enjoying a romantic relationship isn't necessarily an unusual one. A 2014 study by academics from the University of Tokyo found that positive interactions with other canines can prompt the release of oxytocin, the love hormone in dogs' brains. Did you know that? Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I didn't. And I'm sure most everybody else does, but then again, you're a veterinarian. Mm-hmm. Well, oxytocin plays a crucial role in social bonding, whether it be familial, friendship, or romantic. And in the case of kind, canine, in the case of and in the case of canines, it can be it can prompt feelings of passion or devotion for another dog. Well, in this case, it appears that the passion is not limited to just one four-legged friend. And in this TikTok video, as explained, and I'm going to make sure we post the video on our social media channels, the poodle's owner began to suspect something was up when she realized her dog wanted to be let out around the same time every morning. So she was curious to find out what was going on. So guess what she decided to do? 
What? She decided to check her ring security camera. <laughs> and she noticed that a chihuahua had been making a beeline for her garden fence every morning around the exact same time. And what was really interesting is eventually she discovered the two dogs had been exchanging butt sniffs and face licks through the fence. What's worse is that at least on one occasion, the chihuahua found its way into the yard. What's worse is... What she found out was on one occasion, the chihuahua ended up finding its way into the yard where she ended up getting real cozy with the poodle. Now, that might have been fine if it wasn't for the fact, as the video shows, that this particular poodle had a live-in girlfriend, a Yorkshire Terrier waiting for him at home. So you got to hear these funny comments. So you heard the soap opera drama. So check out these funny comments. I thought they were hysterical. So one person wrote, even dogs cheat. Can't trust no one nowadays. They're all the same. Cause you know, women always say men are dogs. And someone tried to stick up for the dog's wandering eye. And he said, I don't see any rings on his paws. And as far as I'm concerned, he's a free man. <laughs> and here's one of my favorites. He out here cheating when his girlfriend is in the house cleaning up their bed and putting up their toys. <laughs> I thought that was hysterical. Right? Isn't that funny? It's, it's totally hysterical. And and what interests me too is what about the algorithms from the services there? The TikToks, the Facebook. They okay this? <laughs> Well, I think this is a harmless good fun. And I mean, I mean, seriously, I mean, there is so much worse out there. I mean, I can't even tell you how many butts I've seen shaking and boobs jiggling. So as far as I'm concerned, this is good fun. Uh, and we're going to keep the good fun and the totally good, and good, the good and the good vibes moving along. So um, I always like this part of the show because it always ends on a good note. I, I, I'm going to I want to tell you about I want to talk about tell me something good. You are listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and veterinarian Dr. Michael Fleck. We would love to communicate with you via social media. Use The Pet Buzz social media channels on Twitter and Facebook to make a comment or ask a question. Post a picture of your pet on Instagram and tell us about his or her unique personality. You can also write to us at team at thepetbuzz.com. For more information about our show, our guests, and buzzworthy freebies, visit us at thepetbuzz.com. News of the day got you down? No worries. Pet trendologist Charlotte Reed is here with Tell Me Something Good. This is a necessity like air and oxygen. Tell me something good. It doesn't start out so good, but then it gets good. Well, a surveillance uh, another surveillance cam. We all have got these cams. A surveillance camera captured an attack where two boys, ages of 12 and 17, uh, actually encouraged their two walking dogs to maul a community cat named Buddy. That's until the homeowner came out of the house and stopped it. When the police arrived, Buddy was taken to the Philadelphia the Pennsylvania SPCA in Philadelphia, and then uh, to an emergency clinic. Well, officers, based on what was seen on their surveillance camera, launched an investigation. So um, a video of the attack went viral, and uh, the Philadelphia SPCA shared Buddy's story with the news media. And you wouldn't believe there was such a wave 
of disgust, with the cruelty, but so many people supported Buddy. Um, they actually, the Philadelphia SPCA posted on Facebook about Buddy several times starting on March 23rd. Uh, and it was at that time, it was really unclear if Buddy would survive. So people started to share the story far and wide. They gushed over Buddy. They said, Buddy, we love you. You're a brave boy. Um, and as a result, Buddy's recovery led to the raising of $100,000 of donations from around the world, not just Philadelphia, from around the world to save this dog. They had a fundraising page called The Shelters Save Everybody. Don't you like that? Isn't that cute? I really like that. Right. And it was this whole movement going on. And there was also a slogan t-shirt to raise an additional money. And they raised a hundred, another $30,000. Good for them. So I always like to think that when the bad comes, it's soon followed by good. If the intentions are in the right place. And that's a total agreement for me. So, um, I guess to tell me something good is buddy's survival saved countless of countless number of animals. That's wonderful. No, that's something good. That's something good. So, you know, I know you hate this time because we got to wrap up the show. It's the end. It is? It's the end. So, um, I want to give you a preview of what we're going to talk about next week. Since you brought up ticks, we're going to talk about Lyme disease and other disease that ticks carry, as well as the importance of microchipping. It's that time of the year when a lot of dogs are getting out. They want to go out, especially ones that are not neutered or spayed. And uh, we want to help you if your dog gets out know why my microchipping is so important because he might have been stolen. He might've been lost. Um, and it might've been a careless error. Somebody at your house for a barbecue might've left the door open, but doc, th- let's thank our guests. Can you thank our guests for yeah, us? Special thanks to our wonderful guests, John Goodwin and Mike Bober. Of course, we must always thank our sponsors, the Animal Medical Center of Bradenton and EpiPet, making better skin coat and ear care products for healthier pets everywhere. Shampoos, skin and coat sprays, sunscreen, ear cleaner and supplements for your dogs and cats. And of course, Teva brands established because of the need to make it easier to care for your pets, your family, and your home. We thank them very much. Most importantly, remember we're here each week to help you take better care of your pets. Peace out and pet love. Goodbye. Thanks for listening to The Pet Buzz with pet trendologist Charlotte Reed and Dr. Michael Fleck. The Pet Buzz is dedicated to enhancing the bond between pets and their people. If you and your pets need even more buzz, we're online at thepetbuzz.com and our social media channels, Pet Buzz Plus, the best way for you to engage with like-minded pet lovers everywhere. When your doctor recommended omega fatty acids as a daily supplement, he told you that they promoted better heart, brain, skin, joint, and immune system health. Well, doesn't it make sense for your pet to have the same health benefits? EpiPet Whole Fish Treat, an all-natural smoked fish supplement, is 100% bioavailable, bringing your pets the nutrients they need to keep them healthy and happy. www.epi-pet.com EpiPet is another proud partner of the Pet Buzz.